The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu and welcome to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban, this Friday evening on the 19th of October, corresponding to the 7th of Safar, second month of the Islamic calendar 1440. As usual, broadcasting live to Luton on 105.1 FM and also broadcasting live across to our sister stations uh, nationally Sheffield, Link FM, Peterborough, Salam, Derby, Nottingham. Uh, and also live Facebook stream on uh, facebook.com forward slash inspire FM Luton inshallah so you can get to see who we are and uh, who's in the studio and what we're up to in the studio so plenty of ways to uh, tune in and also to watch us live uh, if you're interested in seeing what's happening in the inspire FM studios nationally internationally also you can listen to us via our inspire FM app inshallah ta'ala so plenty of ways to join today's discussion join today's debate and get your voices heard uh, as always, uh, an action-packed evening, inshallah ta'ala. If you want to know the numbers, it's 01582481822. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio for you to dial in and uh, get your views across. And if you want to SMS and WhatsApp, you want to SMS, WhatsApp, your thoughts, uh, your comments, uh, all, all welcome. 0779, 0779481822, 0779481822, inshallah that's the that's the lineup for this evening uh, in terms of uh, co-presenting with me this evening is uh, brother Zafar so let me introduce uh, brother Zafar uh, to our listeners uh, Asalaamu Alaikum brother Zafar Wa Alaikum Salaam How are you Akhi? Alhamdulillah You okay inshallah? Alhamdulillah well, Welcome back inshallah so we've got a we've got a packed show this evening uh, we started slightly late because of, to accommodate the Maghrib Azan and the Maghrib Salah inshallah so we're gonna we're gonna kick off with our lead story this evening story one which is uh, a local story uh, covering there is well not only Islamic schools I was gonna say Islamic schools but but that would be unfair not only Islamic schools but also some we, we can say pr- uh, faith-based schools uh, council is putting pressure on the DFE and Ofsted to take action over inadequate education for 350 Luton school children uh, so claims a report that was in the local press this week so we're gonna be discussing with a council representative and also from one of the uh, school representatives in terms of what's happening and what are the concerns and what's being done about it so that's going to be the opening story inshallah that we're going to be covering uh, and then we're going to we've got a couple of more stories for you some interesting stories uh, story two religious hate crimes right religious hate crimes is on the rise right what's leading to the rise so this is hatred and this is hate crimes against uh, you know on the basis of, of one's religion right and no surprise here that 52 of all offenses uh, okay and hate crimes were aimed at Muslims so we're going to be discussing what's going on are we surprised what's happening about it and what can we do about it so that's story two uh, story three story four related we're going to be we're going to be covering Yemen all right Yemen uh, and subhanAllah many of us may not be aware of what's happening in Yemen and this is an opportunity for you really to tune in and to listen to what's actually happening in Yemen it's been labeled as uh, as as potentially being the worst famine in a hundred years right worst famine in a hundred years and it's almost this silent war that's going on and not a lot is being said about it and is being done about it right so what is being done to avert this human tragedy we're going to be speaking to some charities on the ground 
and also we're going to be speaking to some political commentators in terms of an update from Yemen. And last but not least is the story that a lot of us would have been following and that is with regards to the Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi incredible story that's been surfacing details have been coming out saying that there's still not many details in terms of substantial and and confirmed state of events but we're going to be speaking to Moazan Baig CEO of Cage and get his perspective on a Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi criticized the regime and is said to have paid for paid for it with his life so that's the lineup this evening ladies and gentlemen tune in uh, get your views across 01582481822777982 for your sms's and for your whatsapp and uh, this is friday night live right so let's uh, open up uh, this evening's discussion with uh, the opening story which i was mentioning earlier and this is on the back end of a report in the local press okay luton today and also other uh, you know news uh, media outlets have covered the story and as i was saying earlier is uh, with regards to around or the claim is around 350 children in luton are getting a totally inadequate education it has been claimed right uh, so of the eight independent schools in the town five were rated inadequate right or requiring improvement following their most recent Ofsted inspections now we've tried to reach out to most of the schools and try to get the, them on board in terms of the the interview uh, but they were not uh, available I've got with me in the studio let me introduce my guests in the studio firstly I've got councillor Mahmoud Hussain who uh, I, I believe you, you look after the the, the schooling and and the, the, the children's services it was a part of the council. I, I'm the first of all, salam alaikum, and thank you for inviting me. I'm the portfolio holder for children's services right. and young people in Luton. Okay, fantastic. So it's good to have you on board, Councillor Mahmoud Hussain. And then we've also got on on mic four, uh, brother Ishfaq Chaudhry from Al Hikma. Assalamualaikum, You want to probably pull, pull your mic towards you. Right, so I, I want to open up. So the, the, according to the report, we've got two schools which have been, which have been rated good and uh, the rest requiring improvement or inadequate. What's going on, uh, Councillor? Let me start off with the Councillor Mahmoud Hussain. 350 children, inadequate education, and primarily these are schools that we're talking about which are faith-based uh, schools. Yeah, I think, f first of all, the story runs from last year when we had the Children's Review Committee looked at the independent school at that time there were five schools that were inadequate at present there are three schools that are inadequate and they are rabia uh, girls school yes uh, awkward um, olive tree olive tree uh, yeah. school as well as uh, pentecostal Church, Church Academy. So right. these are the three, and it is not at that time there were no. 350 children. Yes. At the moment there are 175 children right. who are going to so the inadequate. Number, so the number has been reduced, which is good news. I yes. was going to ask you: Is this just another case of you know putting pressure and you know and uh, spotlight on the Muslim schools? But it's good to see that it's not only Muslim schools. Actually, there's a Church Christian Academy also that's under under the spotlight here, right? So uh, let me ask you: What were the specific inadequacies that have been raised against these schools? Is it the fact that, for example, they're not teaching maths well, English well, science well, which which I, I would be concerned as a parent, right? Because I want to make sure my children are being taught, you know, science well, maths, education, all the core subjects. Or is it the fact that maybe, you know, they were not, you know, quite, you know, some of these other agenda items that the government has, all the girls no. and the boys were not the, quite mixing. This and, is not an agenda item. Right. It really is inadequate school literally mean they are 
not an adequate on any of the subject, including safeguard. Any of the subjects. Any of the subjects. Overall, incredible. they're overall in, inadequate. Right. And part of that important bit is the safeguarding as well. All right. So I'm going to come so on to you. I'm going to come that, on to that, safeguarding. So what do we mean it's by not the math or right. the that subject. It is right. overall right. and the leadership of the school right. and the, having no qualified teachers as well. That's another right. okay, okay. one of the issues. A lot of accusations. It's not their fact. Just, just I would me, ask you to read the report. Okay, please. okay, okay. Councillor Mahmoud, I, I appreciate that. Okay, let me let me go straight to Ashfaq Chaudhary uh, from Al Hikmah. Now, Al Hikmah. Uh, okay, at least in 2015 it was cited it requires improvement, but now we're saying that it, it's it uh, good. What's, what's the latest? Is it good? It's good. It's good. Alhamdulillah. Okay, that, that's good. C -c Congratulations on that. At least we've met the, the criteria. Now, I, I mean, when, when I'm hearing that across the ball, these schools that, uh, that are categorized as requires improvement, right, across the ball, which is core subjects plus other, other kind of criteria that the government has, right, that's a bit concerning for me as, as a parent because I would, you know, at least the core subjects. I would expect you know the, the schools to be teaching adequately with adequate teachers. What well, you know, councillor Sab says is across the ball. I mean, to, to, to what extent would you agree in the in, um, in the context um, of a hikmah? I'm only going to talk from two perspectives yeah. because that's something that I can do. <clears throat> I can't talk on behalf of the other schools mentioned yeah. because clearly I'm not representative yeah. for them. Yeah. But what I will do is that highlight to you um, Muslim schooling in general mm. and the incredible success of Muslim schools. Yeah. Uh, we just came to light only a couple of days back. In fact, this week. Yeah. Uh, we have seen now, um, if you now Google, for example, and all the brothers and sisters are requested to Google, uh, yeah. The GCSE results for schools in this country. Yeah, what we see is faith schools not just doing well, yeah. doing exceptionally well. Yeah. So among the top fifty schools in this country in GCSE results, yeah. eighteen of them are now faith-based schools. Yes, and that says a lot about it. That's fantastic, and and, and that's I've seen that trend yes. nationally. Yes. but what's happening locally? I think a similar trend will follow suit. And let me come back to you. We mm. unfortunately do not have a single state-funded Muslim school in the town, mm. which is quite unfortunate. Right. Um, towns of our demographics, for example, Leicester, let's say, similar yeah. demographics in terms yeah. of number of Muslims have state-funded Muslim schools. Yeah. Uh, Birmingham have state-funded Muslim schools. Blackburn, yeah. Bolton are just getting them left, right and center. Right. Uh, so we are quite... Uh, disadvantage in that sense is that we do not get the same level playing field. What you got right. to understand is uh, right. the level of funding right. that is achieved by state-funded Muslim schools are the same as the mm. state counterparts. Mm. Then comes to resources, then comes to leadership, then yeah. comes to motivation right. that they have managed to outgrow these schools. Right. Yeah. Uh, the matter of the fact is not a single state school of Luton is amongst the top 50 in the country. Yeah. However, eight of the 50, top 50, mm. are Muslim schools. Right. So nationally, yeah. nationally, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. it is. <clears throat> and the picture, as I said, for faith schools in general yeah. is 18 out of the 50 top schools in this country are faith schools. No, that, that, which is fine. But, but let me go back to Councillor, uh, you know, Mahmoud Hussain. All right. You, you've painted quite a, 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 a you know, picture of, of uh, Islamic uh, schools. But, but here's, here's a genuine question. What about providing support from a, from a council perspective? Let me make for, it for very schools. clear. Yeah. I have no problem yeah. with faith school. Yeah. I'm supporter of it. Very good. But I do have a problem where parents inadequate are, education where parents yeah. are paying yes. for education yes. and the school is inadequate yes a child gets one chance in a lifetime sure. yeah. they do not get a second chance yes. and if the school is yeah. failing them yeah. 
then that is a serious thing yeah. which all of us and I as a portfolio holder for yeah. children's services yeah. do have a duty yeah. to highlight that yeah. and I've been highlighting that yeah. for a number of years. W- which is and very finally, I've yeah. also yeah. approached the offset as well, yeah. as well as the Secretary of State, Damien yeah. Hind, when yeah. he visited us this year, yeah. I did approach him and told him yeah. that we have a serious concern. Yeah. It is nothing to do with faith, yeah. it is to do with the failing school. But let, let me ask you, Councillor Sub, okay, what, what additional support are we providing to these? Okay, we've got a, you know, a very strong you know, desire for faith-based schools. We've seen the you know, stats that you know, uh, Ashfaq Chaudhry Sahib is, is presenting to us. What is the support available to them, rather than just to categorize them in inadequate, 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 which is easy to be done, right? What about the support services? What support are you providing them? Yeah, the local authority does not have no funding right. from the government or locally yeah. to support any independent school. Right. Right? Yeah. This, because the only support funding we get is the maintain yeah. free school and the academies. Right. There is no funding ever yeah. given to any independent private school right yes they do get a charitable status but that's about it as far as the state funding now as as far as i'm aware there isn't anybody who applied for a free school Mm. as a faith school Mm. at at the moment Mm. when they do i will support them we're not at that stage and that is not the issue the issue is where the schools do not, and when, yeah. they, when you read the report, <coughs> yes. and the inspector are saying there's not a single qualified teacher in a school, yeah. that to me is That's not acceptable yeah. by anyone. Uh, Brother Zafar. Yeah, I'm just going to say that, that that's... Um, uh, that's probably a, a, a fact that there are not qualified teachers there, but it's the government who changed the rules to allow all schools to employ uh, non-qualified teachers. Am I right? And any, any school can employ anybody. They don't necessarily have to have, to have yeah, qualifications. Yeah, so, so, so academies <coughs> as well as independent schools both can actually employ unqualified should they, unqualified teachers should they choose to do so. Uh, just wanted so, to so slip, in, ha- slip ha- in one more, one so, more so point. So then how can you use that as a criteria to say, then say exactly. inadequate yeah. uh, teaching when, when that's, uh, you know, uh, available? Just uh, to, uh, that, wanted to strange. slip in one more point, which is very recent yeah. stats as well, mm. is if we look at the success of the state schools as well, because yeah. that's very important for us yeah. to also analyze, because if you're looking at faith schools, in mm. general. So we've got on the town at this moment in time, yeah. on the 2018 results, only one school which scored well above average in their GCSEs, which is yeah. Denby High School. So congratulations yeah. to them. Yeah. Apart from that, there are only two schools which are above average, so not well above average, right. just above average. Yeah. The rest of all the secondary schools are either average in terms of their progress eight, yeah. or below average, mm. or well below average. Mm. So that's the Luton picture for you right. for the secondary state-funded schools. For the state funded, so there's not much difference. And the, the, the primary the picture is even worse. I think primary, there's 59 primary schools, yeah. of which 23 are below average, right? right? And only five of them so, are above so, average. So you see, it goes back to my point, you know, these headlines around the faith, yeah. faith-based schools, but I mean, look at your state-funded yeah. schools, and you've got if, if an I, equally kind of I, dire t- state t- of t- situation. T- that e- even south. this year, our key stage yeah. two results, yeah. we have made progress on maths above the national average in subjects reading and writing as well as uh, uh, phonics we are going 
above the national average in some of the subjects. Yeah. Yes, there is a problem with some of the schools. Yes, many of the, school, many of the there schools, many of the schools, There is none in the yeah. in the public sector yeah. which is inadequate. Yeah. Not one school. The, yes, there are number of schools. Yes, Ofsted criteria. A number of schools do have require improvement. Seventy-two percent are mm. either good or outstanding. Mm. The rest are uh, in uh, RI category. Mm. Some of them are free school, which the local authority does not have the full control. Yeah. Some are academies, mm. which the local authority does not. I am not. I am not critical Sorry. of. If the only thing I will not accept any school, whether they're academy yeah. free yeah. or maintain yeah. to be inadequate, because right. that no, I, to I me think, I think for, is for the issue. Not, guns, not the, guns, guns, the, 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 if they're I, not making the improvements, uh, that, then that we are working on it. Yeah, I think from a, from a parent's perspective, mm. and also a governor, I've been a governor for over 20 years, right? And I think the story that we hear from Luton is, Luton is average or just about average or mm. ab above average. Right. Uh, we where do we hear that Luton is perhaps competing with the likes of Blackburn and having outstanding schools? Why have we not had outstanding schools? Luton has has had ample funding in the past, mm. right? But that has not led to inc increase. Uh, in I mean, surely Luton but also, also from from, 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 from a parents' perspective, yeah. just to balance mm. the, the the argument a little bit, mm. from a parents' perspective, uh, it's important to understand when the schools are not performing and I think it's important to highlight when the schools are not performing because the parent as a parent unless I am familiar with the system unless I understand what's happening yeah. in school mm -hmm. um, I have no idea whether my school my son is doing well or not because I've yeah. got nothing to compare with yeah. right and I think a lot of the situation a lot of our parents in that situation they send the schools off to kids off to school yeah. as far as they're concerned right? either coming back home the kids are happy mm -hmm. uh, and it's only when the exams come and they realize, hang on, you know, maybe 20 years ago or 15 years ago, perhaps we should have done something to improve the, wow. the, the education. So it's important that schools are performing and that schools are honest in reporting yeah. their results, etc. Yeah. Right. But also, I think yeah. it's also important that Ofsted is now politicized. Yes. It is a politicized this is, this body. Is, this is the point that I was coming uh, on to. Right. Absolutely. It, it is a politicized yes. body. Yes. Right. And if those and I haven't read the I haven't read yes. the details, yeah. right? Yeah. And if if academically if these schools are failing, yeah. they should be criticized. Yeah. Yeah. They should be criticized. Yeah. If, for example, right, those schools are being criticized because of perhaps not enforcing the hijab or yes. all of those things which have head yes. hit the headlines, yes. yeah. Yes. Yes. Then I think to be honest, I think that, that, well, that well, it's a blinkered. Well, well, this was my next question to Councillor Sabo, was referring to the reports, right, and then also citing, you know, s s uh, criteria like safeguarding of the children. I mean, well, what do we mean by the safeguarding of the children? And, and lo and behold, well, we're already about to hit a commercial break. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't even realise 20, 25 minutes have, have gone so quickly, right? So we're, we're going to go into a commercial break. So I, I suggest we continue the discussion into the next half of the, uh, the show, at least for another five, ten, mi ten minutes, if you've got uh, ten, 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 ten minutes, ten, ten minutes, ten minutes, okay, brilliant, that'd be ten, brilliant. Right? Ten minutes maximum. Ten, ten minutes maximum, please. So just so that we can conclude this discussion uh, yeah. satisfactorily for for our listeners, uh, listeners. This is Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, and brother Zafar here in the Inspire Studios, 0158248182, mm -hmm. 0779481822, and we are discussing uh, local uh, faith-based schools. Uh, and the councils, uh, you know, uh, you know, claim that uh, there's a lot of inadequate education that's been provided to some, through some of these schools. We're just discussing that. We're about to go into a commercial break. Do join us when we come back in a couple of minutes to continue the discussion. Until then, assalamualaikum.
Sometimes I feel like a lost soul Sometimes I feel like there's no hope Sometimes this world gets me stressed out I'm all messed up, I need your help now Back to your teachings and all your words From your life I have learned To be patient and caring at every turn The reason I'm strong, you where I belong In a world spinning out of control The reason for my pride, you are my guide And I will always follow you Sallallahu Oh Muhammad Peace and blessings on you every day 
عليك صلى الله او محمد you inspire me in every way i promise that wherever i go whenever i pray i'll be sending you praise with the words that i say rasulullah o muhammad peace and blessings on you every day there's light in my heart Helps me find my way back when I've gone too far When all my anger makes me blind I remember your mercy for all mankind The reason I forgive as long as I live In a world spinning out of control The reason I love, I'll never give up And I will always follow you Sallallahu oh Muhammad peace and blessings on you every day alayka sallallahu oh Muhammad you inspire me in every way i promise that wherever i go whenever i pray i'll be sending you praise with the words that i say rasulullah oh Muhammad Peace and blessings on you every day. I know the only thing I want from this life and is to follow all your footsteps to paradise. So that's the way I'm gonna spend all my time. Yes, I swear by Allah, I swear. Like a sallallahu oh Muhammad. Peace and blessings on you every day alayka sallallahu assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to friday night live uh, with me hafiz shaban and uh, brother zafar here in the studio we still have kindly enough extended the uh, presence of uh, councilor hussein mashallah who's joining us in the studio and also brother uh, Ashfaq Choudhury, we've been discussing uh, education, local-based education, uh, an article that appeared this week in the newspaper, right, uh, citing inadequate education for 350 children. I'm being told now, in fact, the original story came out almost, uh, what was it, a year ago, Councillor, or was it? About 12 months ago. About 12 months ago, so that, yes. that's interesting to know <laughs> that, in fact, the, sto the story and the original, uh, the, the contents, right, and, and the research was based upon 12 months ago, not, rec uh, not, not this week, right, so that's the first thing. Uh, and secondly, also we were discussing with regards to okay uh, the credibility of that and uh, you know in terms of the criticism that the, the officers reports are citing i mean the brothers the first point right before we had to go into the commercial break which was a point i wanted to raise with the councillor was ofsted and its politicization right oh. and and that was my point core subjects if it was maths english science and the core subjects and there was an in inadequacy in teaching those I would have a real concern, but where Ofsted, and there's no doubt that there is an institution which hasn't become politicized, 
across, you know, whether it's you're going to see your local GP, that, that's become political, right? So that's a concern, right? When now offset are coming back and saying, well, you know, the hijab or too much salah or too much, you know, you know, you know the girls are not quite speaking to the boys, there's not enough mixing or, or why are you lot are not playing music, you know, and, and these other kind of categories that are coming through uh, Councillor Saab, right? So you, you were mentioning about safeguarding in terms of what are we referring to safeguarding? Well, what does that mean? This safeguarding of children is mm. that where children are given all the facilities right. which protect them okay. so that they're not in danger of what, physical protection in, the, in, in the school ideological it, protection not, nothing which to is do with ideological, ideological. Yeah. this is not because we are, you have to have a curriculum I'm sure there's a head teacher sitting there which is acceptable yes. by the Ofsted so right. there is a set of, of rules there yeah. and I think what needs to be to be you know I, I would encourage anyone yeah. Zafar Saab and yourself to yeah. read the report sure. it is the quality of education that they have criticized generally in both of these schools yeah. and it also at safeguarding at the same time yeah. where the facilities in terms of even watching your hands yeah. eating facilities okay. all those they made the national headlines in the national newspapers right. because these were that, and, they, and then yeah. they have st put a stop to to uh, allowing them at the yeah. Ofsted right. that they could not take on any children okay they have yeah. appealed now okay. and therefore they can still take on right. new new students uh, okay th thank you thank you for that i want to go to asfak Chaudhary, right so al hikma right now now let, let me tell you when when I, when I when i'm driving around and i hear the advert for al hikma and, and the success story of al hikma i think whoa what a, what a fun oh, i can't believe i mean some of the stats that are coming out and some of the at least your 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 promo for for al hikma right so here we're saying okay alhamdulillah you you have made the the stride in terms of improving right from where you where you were a couple of years ago to where you are now how do you respond to that well, what's what's your perspective in terms of general you know performance of uh, for example al hikman and such faith based schools locally let me let me let me bring you in with yeah. uh, one disparity yeah the politicization of Ofsted. that's not yeah. just a muslims complaint yeah. about it in fact we had major unions talk about it yeah. we had major politicians like the head of the opposition mm. jeremy corbyn talk about it. in fact mm. made a joke out of teachers saying are you big fans of sir michael Wilshaw or not mm. um let's 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 look at it carefully let the data speak mm. ashcroft high school and its achievement this year in the gcse's is well below national average ashcroft high ashcroft school, high school mm. minus 0 0.80 it's the mm. other way around yeah. so denby is plus 0.84 ashcroft is minus 0.80 so mm. terrible results mm. so large proportion of the schools uh, st school students have failed yeah. so the school has failed its pupils yeah. but hang on what's the offset category yeah. tell me what the offset category is oh, without saying tell me. Uh, surely, tell me surely it's inadequate or, or, or completely no wrong. offset category is good see th this is that's the problem See, now I would I would have thought it was inadequate, totally inadequate or poor because of the, the results, right? Yeah. But, they, but that's not what they're, they're judging. And output. that's not the only criteria. Output. Right. There's no mm -hmm. output checks. Right. The other problem that Ofsted has been heavily focusing on with yeah. Muslim schools, which I've seen firsthand, yeah. is that are we providing music? Yes. And yes, we are, of course, providing music, but we're providing is, is music which is, now, is which is culturally sensitive to our mm. needs and understanding. We've got hundreds and thousands of Nasheed's artists out there where mm. the children can listen to. Mm. Uh, then came the question of how inclusive is it? Mm. Um, but do you, on a normal musical world, do you yeah. force a guy who loves reggae yeah. to listen to, for example, uh, harmonium? Yeah. Do you do that? Right. It never happens like that.
But the focus was, are you teaching music? What kind of music? Are the boys and girls mixing together? Yes. Um, we're saying, look, we're giving the boys and the girls equal opportunity in yeah. terms of curriculum, in yeah. terms of activities, in yeah. terms of what we do, in yes. terms of teaching. In fact, our girls are doing better than the boys in the yes, GCSEs. Yes. We had one girl yes. achieve eight nines. Nines is the ceiling for GCSEs. Yes, yes. Eight fantastic, nines. Fantastic. So I've got physical evidence yeah, to prove yeah, yeah, that. But it's, so it, I, I, it all I, tends to be the direction of conversations always different. Uh, Ashfaq, so, I, so are you, as, as, as a head of Al Hikmah, right? Yes. Okay, so are, are you uh, uh, supporting the idea and, or, or, you know, in terms of offset and its politicization and you, and you see that practically? In terms I have of seen it practically. Yeah, and yeah. I've seen how the focus went. Mm. As I said, just came, started focusing on the music. Yes. Come focusking on so they come are the boys the and girls yeah. mixing or not. Yes. And, and the, someone begs so a question. It's, it's two sides apart. Yeah, They're yeah, about yeah. three to yeah. four miles apart. Yes. Um, even if you want to force yeah, them to uh, yeah, go and see yeah, each exactly. other, how are they going to do? They're going to yes. grab a taxi to go and see each other, yeah, or what? Yeah, what exactly, exactly do you want yeah, them to exactly. do? Exactly, <laughs> it's a totally irrational question. But but last uh, last question I do want to ask you. I want to focus on some positives, right? So okay, a couple. Of, I mean, you've achieved. You've become a lot, you know, better than you were a couple of years ago. Your stats are very good, mashallah, and, and all heading in the right direction. Positive news, hopefully. And, and not only that, I've got, I've got ambassadors I can talk about. Yeah. I have got a student who's now working for Rolls Royce, right. which is one Fantastic. of the best companies in yes. this country. Alhamdulillah. I can very proudly say, Alhamdulillah, yeah. he's also studied the Quran. Yes. He is also partly became a Hafiz of the Quran. Very good. I have another Hafiz of the Quran who is now a strategist for EE. Excellent. He's not like a you know yes. an admin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's now working in the department that deciding the business strategy yes. for EE. Excellent. You Excellent. know, came down the other day. Yes. Uh, the students who's coming in, and we're very happy Alumni to see these people succeed. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, great, great so in my opinion, it's yeah. up to the individual to succeed. Yeah. yeah. The school can of course has to put has a lot to of effort. The and, but and it's the individual yes. that's going to succeed. And, and last question. I mean, okay, we've got a lot of schools that are still categorized as uh, inadequate and failing. I know you're not speaking on behalf of them, right? And we did invite them to the show, not available, right? But is there some cross-pollination, you know, cross-working, you know, working, you know, between the, some of these faith schools, right? To share ideas, share resource, share some expertise, There's uh, some, you know, you yeah, know so, yeah. that, so, so, going, so, so going we can help one, one another. I, I know you all got plenty to do and you, you, you haven't got time, you know, to take anything on board, right? Yes. But, you know, share some ideas, working together in cohesion between the Islamic faith well, schools, let, let me, let me, so let, we can all help one another. Let me put it this way. Mm. There's an association of Muslim schools, yeah. which organizes a, a huge amount of activity. Right. And schools certainly can participate. Right. We took the extraordinary step. Right. of now joining the Independent Schools Association. Right. In fact, we're the only secondary school in Luton right. who are members of the 450 Alliance, right. which is seven, uh, set up in the 1800s, right. to support independent yeah. schools. Yeah. So we are going the extra mile to say right. we want to work with independent schools around our area. Right. We want to improve our standards. Yes. We want our, our children to go to the Oxbridges. Yes. We want the Hofas tomorrow to go to Oxbridge and, and, and show what role model citizens they Fantastic. can become. Uh, uh, Councillor Mahmoud Hussain and Ashfaq Chaudhary from Al Hikmah, you know, we, we have run out of the time and uh, we also extended your time, uh, Councillor Sab Jazakallah, for the extra 10 minutes that you've given us. Thank you very much. Uh, listeners, that was uh, that is Ashfaq Chaudhary and Councillor Mahmoud Hussain, and we were discussing faith based uh, Islamic schools or and, and non Islamic schools locally that were being cited as being inadequate or needing needing improvement. So that was our first story. So we're going to move on now, inshallah, to our next story, and uh, hopefully, we've got a our guest that we're just calling in at the moment. Uh, our next story is going to be 
religious hate crimes right so religious hate crimes rise in offenses recorded by police what's you know leading to the rise so okay so this is a recent article which has uh, been discussing how religious hate crimes are alarmingly on the increase now many of us may not be surprised by this but I've got a, a guest on the call uh, that I need to speak to because she's got very limited time so I don't want to waste her time inshallah let me go straight to her and it is in fact if Nawaz uh, Asalaamu Alaikum if Nawaz Wa alaikum uh, for your patience firstly and Jazakallah for joining us this evening and I, know, and I know you've got only a very limited time right so you're, you're the chair of MCB's legal affairs committee if, if I've got it correct right so, right, excellent. So we're discussing this this obviously news report this week. Hate crimes, you know, rise in offences linked to religious beliefs. Uh, 52% of, of all offences were aimed at Muslims. And you know what? I'll, I'll open up by saying I'm not surprised at all. Are you surprised? Um, no. Um, clearly there's been uh, a rise in um, incidents and crimes against Muslims. So this figure is not surprising mm. uh, and to be expected really in light of what's been happening over yeah. the last 18 months or so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I mean, what is what is actually being done about it, right? Okay, it's not surprising uh, because of the fact that, I mean, you know, last couple of weeks, you know, I, I don't know if you were following, you know, the, the tirade of McGregor versus Habib and, and, and all the kind of anti-Islamic kind of comments that, you know, someone so high profile in the sports world is making. We have irresponsible politicians making comments about Muslim women. They're covering the way they're dressed, right? Hijabs, anti-immigration, Brexit. You know, the list continues, right? Uh, and then we see all of these rise in hate crimes and they say, well, you know, we, we, we completely abhor hate crime. Um, but yet you're the ones who are creating, you're, 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 the, you're almost the, the catalyst, right? Or the, the conveyor belt to, you know, this, this rise in, in hate crimes. What is being done about it? What can we do about it? Yeah, well, clearly we're living in, in hugely complex times and mm. all the factors that you just set out very eloquently there, contribute to the fact that the Muslims are facing an onslaught mm. uh, of, um, you know, hatred being uh, directed at Muslim and Muslim women in particular, yeah. because, you know, Muslim women are the ones who suffer uh, the most as a result of these hate crimes. Yeah. So, you know, what is being done about them? Uh, unfortunately, um, not uh, as much as should be done about yeah. them. Yeah. You know, uh, the fact with hate crimes is that... Um, you know, people are now beginning to report these more mm. um, because, you know, there has been an awareness raised about them because previously people did not even bother to report them because they thought there was nothing they could do about mm. them. So that's one of the factors. But uh, the other, the issue from a, from a legal perspective is that even when these offences get reported, mm. you know, uh, only one in eight cases kind of results in an actual prosecution and a mm. conviction. Mm. So I think a lot of people, you know, are worried that, you know, if we report these crimes, what happens? Mm. I think there's so much that needs to be done in terms of by the, the government, the law enforcement agencies, but also by the Muslim community ourselves. Mm. You know, we're in this predicament. We're in this very challenging times. Yeah. And um, I don't think we should get into just relying on um, everyone else to, to turn the situation around, mm. which is why the MCB you know, is spending so much of its effort on trying to educate the community, yeah. you know, in, of, of, of our own rights and our own responsibilities. Yeah. So, you know, encouraging people to report crimes, encouraging organizations yeah. to build relationships with other faith communities. Yes, yes. And with the 
institutions, with the mm. police, mm. because you know, only by helping ourselves will we try and eradicate the issues that we're facing. Yeah. No, I, I mean, all, all good practical suggestions, right, in terms of reporting hate crime, in terms of working you know, with our communities, in trying to build you know, better understanding of the faith, you know, locally, in your neighborhoods, in your communities. All, all good, but then, you know, it almost seems to all go down the waste when, you know, these irresponsible politicians and these big, you know, media, you know, uh, uh, people with a lot of media kind of coverage are making, you know, very inflammatory comments, you know, very derogatory comments about one's religion and so forth. I mean, surely, you know, prevention is better than cure, right? Surely, you know, yes, I can report, you know, hate crime as, as long as you tell me to keep reporting it, right? But something needs to happen about, you know, the conveyor belt that is actually leading to that, you know, to, to that, you know, rise in, in hate crime, right? A government has to take more responsibility. <laughs> These politicians have to take more responsibility. And, and from a legal perspective, to be honest with you, I know, again, we're going into a bit of a gray area because even that has become very difficult and it's a very lengthy process in terms of how do we actually, you know, how do we control that? How, how do we make the, the Boris Johnsons of the world, you know, stop making those derogatory comments, you know, that they sometimes make about the burqa or the hijab or, or the likes, which which cause, at the end of the day, indirectly or directly, you know, to, to you know, an alarming rise in, in hate crime? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's why, you know, the MCP has called for an inquiry by the Tory party into Islamophobia. Yeah. We have to call individuals who, who choose to... Um, demonize a community, we have to hold them to account. And the government has to hold them to account. Yeah. And society has to hold them to account. So yeah. I don't think we should let any of that go. And yeah. I think we should press harder. And there is a lot of support because this call for an inquiry was not just called by the MCB, yeah. but it's called, been called by a number of other organizations, including the Jewish Council for Race Equality and the Union of Jewish Students. So, so this you is know, the inquiry the... about in, into Islamophobia? Is, or is, is, or just yeah. tell us a bit about the inquiry that we're calling for. Well, we're calling for an inquiry into um, Islamophobia in the Conservative Party. Oh, in the and Conservative the Party, yeah. listed um, a number of incidents over a period of five to six weeks uh, this year mm. where a lot of um, Islamophobic comments were made by various politicians. Yeah. And, you know, and we are trying to hold them to account and we are trying to get our government to hold them to account because having society divided by this and causing divisions is, is not going to serve anyone well. Mm. Uh, unfortunately... Mainstream society does appreciate that, but you're right. There is there are so many issues mm. with the way Muslims are portrayed in the media, with the way um, you, you know the online um, abuse that is taking place against mm. many people, even against the MCB. And we yeah, are taking yeah. action ourselves. Mm. We are reporting incidents and we are following them through to make sure action is taken. Mm. But, uh, but I think that's what we can do, and that's what we have to advocate. Mm. Mm. Uh, and in terms of just the last question, because I, I know if uh, you, you have to go to a, a, an event and your time is limited, in terms of working with other organisations, I mean, uh, okay, I, I guess that there is some cohesion in terms of organisations working together uh, you, to fight this kind of Islam, uh, Islamophobia and this you know, rise of, of hate crime, in, in particularly towards the Islamic faith, but also other faiths, right? I mean, the positive thing is that in terms of as a community, you know, we seem to be quite, you know, quite strong and holding on to our identity, right? Even though we're facing almost 52% of all of these offences are targeted towards the Muslims, right? But some practical steps, why don't you just give our listeners some practical steps that we can maybe perhaps take uh, in terms of, you know, trying to, you know, uh, you know, trying to avoid, you know, you know, or, you know, if, if that's the you know, best word to use in terms of, you know, the hate crime against us as a community. What what's some practical things that we, we can be doing? 
I think one of the most important things is that we have to reach out and communicate with mm. uh, our society and our community around us. Yeah. We have to dispel the myths. Yeah. We have to, you know, so people actually know what Muslims are and what Islam is. Because mm. there's a lot of negativity out there. That's the first thing. Mm. Secondly, we have to be vigilant. Uh, and our yeah. institutions need to increase their security uh, and be alert, alert to what's going on. Mm. And also the community needs to be alert and take measures to safeguard themselves. Mm. Uh, but this has to be in parallel with taking up, you know, the challenge that we're facing. I mean, this is why we embark on you know, empowering women and empowering youth empowering our institutions, mm. encouraging people to take up public roles. So we are out there engaging with everyone mm. and saying, you know, this is what we represent and what is out there in, in mass media and other is, is incorrect. So it's a case of helping ourselves, but also getting those who are responsible for our safety to take responsibility as well mm. and not letting them off the hook. So hence we are pushing for uh, the any crimes that are reported to be followed up and mm. as an organization, for example, where we are reporting crimes, we are looking to see the success rate of that and we are holding the organizations and the establishments to account because I think that's what a responsible organization would do and we would mm. encourage everyone to do that. So there's a number of steps we can take right. as individuals, as a community, mm. and then more largely as a society to try and bring about you know, a society that is uh, safe, and mm. fair to everyone, regardless of their beliefs. Right, Sister Ifat Nawaz, I mean, that was very eloquent, very concise and some fantastic advice that you've just shared with our listeners uh, nationally on how to, you know, be a better resilient community, a, a better confident community, a confident a, a community that carries her faith and, and carries her faith in an intelligent way and, and, and a proactive way. And I think that's a central message that we're giving to, to our listenership. Jazakallah for, for your time this evening, uh, Ifat Nawaz. Thank you. Thank, thank you for you. having thank me. You, thank you very much, Ifat. Thank you. Right, listeners, that, that was uh, Ifat Nawaz, Chair of MCB's Legal Affairs Committee. Uh, mashallah, very eloquent sister, Mashallah, who was actually, uh, not surprising, she's, she is the Chair of the, of the Legal Affairs Committee, right? Uh, so she was sharing her thoughts, right? Uh, and giving some very good practical advice with regards to how we as a community need to be more proactive, assertive, confident in our identity how we need to carry ourselves right uh, how do we how, how we need to build bridges how we need to reach out to you know uh, in, in our neighborhoods right and in our community and th- this is all very very important and to be honest with you whether there was a, a rise in offenses in terms of hate crimes or not we should be doing this as, as individuals and, and as a community anyway right and now the fact that we're seeing this rise in offenses right so this is r- religious hate crimes right so the people have just got this hatred because you're a Muslim, right? Or you got this hijab on, or you 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 dress in a funny way. Now you know a lot of our you know people out there in the community, in the society. Unfortunately, they don't know, and you they don't know you. They don't know anything about Islam. They don't know us about Muslims. Not to say that's an excuse. Of course, it's not an excuse for you know for you know exhibiting your you know hate towards someone just because the person is is dressed in a different way. But in, uh, in terms of us and our responsibilities, I think it's fantastic. We have an obligation from Islam anyway to go out and do the da'wah and engage. So more of a responsibility now to really reach out to all members of our community and share with them our identity of being Muslims and what it means to be Muslims. Right, you are with me, Hafiz Shaban, Friday Night Live. And I wanted about six, seven minutes so I can speak to Brother Zafar and get some of his thoughts, inshallah. But just a reminder, you are on, uh, with us on Friday Night Live. 01582 is the number in the studio and it's good to hear from some of you our listeners 
your thoughts on faith schools and religious hate crimes being on the rise what, what are your thoughts and if you want to sms or whatsapp us you can do 0779481822 but i will now go to brother zafar and get brother zafar's views on the last story that we were discussing brother zafar I, I, did, we, did we miss something what, what's your, your what's your take on it when you when you read that report well, it's it's shocking to be honest. If you if you if you read the details of it, and it's not if you if you look at the the number of incidences you're talking about, when ninety four thousand is it? How many is that? The, if you if you look at the the actual figures itself, right? And it's a massive rise, uh, and majority of it, uh, that the hate is uh, directed towards Muslims because yeah. Muslims, I guess, are visible. Visible minorities, I guess, uh, yeah. in a sense, but I think the rise of forty percent. Sorry, a rise of forty percent. A rise of forty percent. That's right. And the actual number of incidents is quite high. No. Uh, and I, the thought that came to me was, if that was the number that that perhaps, you know, happened to another community, mm. which was you know a lot more averse to sort of raising their voices and mm. getting things done, mm. and then something would have been done a long time about it. Uh, yeah. About yeah. it, but. Uh, it, it is disturbing. Mm. Right? It makes you wonder, you know, is where the society is heading. Yeah. But generally, I think there is a, a rise globally mm. uh, of no, no, of I, a I swing swing to sort towards of the right. towards the right okay. nationalism and yeah. self protectionism and and less of of trying to understand other people and, and people yeah, are different. Absolutely. I mean, it's just the atmosphere at the moment. But but let me ask you a different question. Are, are we doing enough? Are, are we making enough noise? Right. I mean, I mean, for example, you know. This sister, if I was actually, you know, inquiry by Islamophobia and conservatives, we discussed this a couple of months ago, right? Well, I, I had the, the, the chair of the, the conservative Muslims last, uh, I think, two weeks ago, uh, and I asked him the direct question. I said, you know, are we heading towards uh, a holocaust of the Muslims? I asked him, does he really? You asked he, him that question? I asked, I asked him whether there is now a parallel between mm. what happened in the 30s to the Jews, uh, to, to the, what's happened to the Muslims now, mm. and he said he didn't see that. He didn't see that as happening. How, why did, okay. Uh, but but he just didn't see that that is happening. But mm. the thing is, maybe perhaps he's not in, in he's not connected with stats like that. Mm. Uh, but the thing is, now it's it's a lot easier mm. to mention and and to sort of say things which are anti-Muslim mm. uh, than it was maybe ten years ago. People are much more willing to come forward and say things which are mm. downright racist. Uh, you know, things which are ignorant, mm. right? Things which which you know are generalizations on the Muslim community. They're much more prepared no. to say it uh, openly no. and, and prepared to act on it as well right. and i think partly mm. is because of the the, the global right. trend and also because of the social media etc right. right you know if, if brother abdul akbar was sitting in my seat right now you know what he would say to you mm. it says time to pack our bags and leave uh, no Zabbar. i i, I right. well I, I don't think that's the case because right. because so, so what do we need to do then uh, we, we i think to be honest right uh, uh, i think part of us being in this country, maybe that that's that's defeatism in itself, isn't it? No, it's not. No, I think, no, I think what I'm we, saying is, you know, packing. It, it is. It is. It is. But right? because you know, if I if I it. if I was cynical, right, yeah. uh, I would say. Uh, if you're in the streets here, you face the punches and the kicks here, right? Yeah. If you're over there, right, you face the missiles and the drones. He's facing the sun. He's sitting out in Dubai. Well, man. well, it's, uh, for the moment it is, but <laughs> you, you, never know. To me. you never, you never know. Uh, but but thing is, we, we're here for a purpose, right? And the idea is, yeah. our purpose here is to actually try and make the people here understand yeah. that there is another world, another yeah. difference, a different yeah. world, yeah. and that we can co coexist peacefully. Yeah. Yeah. The world is is what seven to eight eight billion people, and it's getting smaller by the day. And so, if people want to draw boundaries and yeah, start fighting with yeah, each other, yeah. that's not going to be so, the... So, so whether we like it or not, reaching out, being more proactive. I mean, I mean, you see, there's two ways, isn't there? A is making the noise in terms of what's happening. B is then being assertive and being proactive. 
and then there's a C, right, which which is prevention better than cure. I mean, we got to hold these accountable. These politicians are making these irresponsible comments all the time. You know, Islamophobia. We, we well, absolutely, hold absolutely. Legally, if we can, you know, do you absolutely. And the Muslim community is getting better at it, yeah. very slowly. Yeah. But Marshall are getting better at it and raising its voice yeah. through the various channels, through the media, through yeah. the uh, through the legal channels, etc. Okay. And right. and I think that's the only way the vo voice is going to be, right. be heard. Brother Zafar, Jazakallah for your comments, for your for your uh, thoughts. Okay, uh, listeners, we are about to go into a commercial break. I can't already believe that the first hour of the show is all almost over. A couple of seconds remaining. When we come back, we're going to be discussing a, a, a horrific story, and that's Yemen. You know, I, I hate to discuss these these kind of you know story you know stories full of tragedy, right? But unfortunately, we gotta cover it. We gotta give it media you know time so that we're made aware of what's happening. So we're gonna be discussing that in a couple of minutes. Uh, don't go away. We'll be back in a couple of minutes after the commercial break when we'll continue our discussion. Until then, assalamualaikum You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to uh, to Friday Night Live with me Hafi Shaban from the studios of Inspire FM and also with me in the studio is Brother Zafar inshallah Brother Zafar assalamu alaikum yeah, I caught you by surprise there. Alright, so uh, welcome back listeners. Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban, Brother Zafar, 01582481822. The number here in the studio, 0779481822 for your SMS and for your WhatsApp messages, inshallah. We're in the second hour of the show, second hour of the show, uh, and we're going to be discussing uh, a human tragedy that is unfolding, right? A human tragedy, wallahi, I, I literally. I mean, a human tragedy that is unfolding in Yemen, and I want to get Brother Zafar's thoughts on Yemen too later, inshallah, ta'ala, when we start discussing that. Uh, but that's what we're going to be discussing in the initial half an hour, and then we're going to finish up the show this evening by discussing the notorious case of Jamal Khashoggi, right? And the disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi with Muazzam Baik. So that's what we've got lined up for you for the next hour. So action packed, very political, but very informative, and very important for us as a community to be aware of what's happening both in Yemen and the, the events as they're unfolding in Turkey on the disappearance of this journalist Jamal Khashoggi. So that's what we're going to be discussing uh, this evening inshallah in the last hour. Uh, but initially let me go on to uh, the, in, uh, the initial story and that is the story of Yemen. Right, and this is a tragic story, absolute tragic story. Now some of our listeners, right, I, I wouldn't Maybe I wouldn't blame you, right, if you told me that, you know, you're not aware, quite aware of what's happening in Yemen, right? Uh, maybe I, I might, you know, forgive you for that. But really, uh, you, you know, we, we should be aware of what's happening in Yemen, even though it's not getting the media attention that it ought to deserve. Yemen could be uh, the worst famine in a hundred years. The worst famine in a hundred years. What is being done to avert this human tragedy, right? Uh, all right. Okay. And the U UN Secretary General uh, Antonio Guterres uh, and the EU quite rightly referred to the situation in Yemen as the world's worst humanitarian crisis. Worst humanitarian crisis. I mean, I, I could actually list out you know, so many facts, so many figures, you know, that I've got in front of me. UN Humanitarian Coordinator in Yemen, Jamie McGoldrick, too, stated that it's probably one of the biggest crises in the world 
but it's like a silent crisis. See, this is what I mean. It's like a silent crisis, a silent situation and a forgotten war. Right. So what is the background to the war? Very quickly. Right. So what's happening in Yemen? So Yemen has been ripped apart by war since the spring of 2015 when a Saudi led coalition began bombing the country to reinstate its ally president you know Mansoor Hadi and continue to engage in this you know in discriminate attacks until now right so in, in the context or in the pretext of ousting the Houthi rebels which they accuse of being backed by Iran right but the situation has become existential is true for the Yemeni people not only are the people of Yemen struggling with insufficient food but millions of people in Yemen do not even have access to safe drinking water and the list continues as I said but let me go to an expert who's gonna who hopefully will shed some light on the situation on the ground in Yemen I'm gonna go to I have Amanda Bryden from Save Your Children, Conflict and Humanitarian Advocacy Advisor. Hopefully that's the correct introduction to Amanda. Amanda, uh, welcome to Friday Night Live uh, with me, Hafiz Shaban. Thanks for having me. Thanks, uh, Amanda, for joining us and, and for sharing uh, you know, this evening with us. All right, so from Save the Children, I believe, Conflict and Humanitarian Advocacy Advisor. Is, is that correct, Amanda? Yes. That's it. Okay, fantastic. So, so, so the, it's, it's been referred to as the silent, you know, uh, the world's most humanitarian, worst humanitarian crisis and a, a silent situation and a forgotten war. You're absolutely correct. It, it, it's the, the biggest humanitarian crisis in the, that the world is um, facing right now. And 75% of the population are in need of humanitarian aid. 75%. staggering to even comprehend um, mm. how big how big the crisis is. Mm. And uh, you're also absolutely right that the UN has announced that it's, uh, the country's on the brink of the worst famine in 100 years. Mm. So we're estimating from our figures that we've got 100 children are dying from hunger every day. 100 children dying from hunger every day. I mean, that, that's absolutely incredible, isn't it? Uh, and and, and f from your perspective, Amanda, right, save the children, all right? Uh, so you're, uh, you're also a humanitarian advocacy advisor, right? So I, I mean, I, 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 do, do you get down to the to the the political, you know, you know, going ons behind the, the Yemeni crisis, or are you just purely humanitarian focused? So very much for our work, we have a, a two pronged approach. Right. We've been actually in Yemen since 1963, so we're one of the biggest humanitarian organisations that's delivering programs on the ground mm. and emergency humanitarian assistance, mm. and that's across the board. So we're delivering. Um, Education for children, um, uh, vital like uh, food and assistance for malnutrition, mm. but also um, protection for children as they flee the conflict and, and ensuring they have access to, to clean water and healthcare. Mm. Um, but we also engage at that international level, so it's about what uh, thinking about what are the solutions for for this problem, what are the root causes, and what can mm. the international community do about it, yeah. including what's the role of the UK. Right. So a lot of our work is about taking those individual stories about what we're seeing on the front line mm. and uh, taking that evidence back to decision makers who have the power to um, urge to the table and get a political solution to this conflict right. because ultimately what you want is a, is a ceasefire. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Amanda, because I was going to say, I mean, Yemen certainly didn't get into this crisis of its own uh, willing and, and, and liking, but, you know, its, it's, it's neighbours have decided to start bombing it uh, for, for, for whatever reason, right? Uh, and, and also, obviously, politically oriented, polit politically motivated, and therefore, hence, it requires a political solution to bring that to an end, right? Otherwise, yeah. you know, you know you're, yourselves, in terms of Save the Children, we're going to be discussing to another relief organisation. They can do all the humanitarian efforts, as, you know, and, and initiatives as, as far and wide as possible. But the reality is on the on, on, on high above the ground, you've got these planes flying over, just throwing all these bombs indiscriminately from what I'm reading and, and the articles that I have in front of me, leading leading to these mass mass casualties. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the main, one of the main messages that we're pushing through is that this is a man-made crisis. So this yeah. isn't the result of climate change yeah. or um, anything yeah. else, but yeah. it, it, it's, Absolutely, the result of the the fighting, the conflict, the inability to get um, humanitarian and commercial size mm. uh, supplies into the country, mm. and Yemen was a poor country within the Gulf to begin with, and mm. had been marred by intermittent conflict for over 20 years. Mm. And what happened in in 2016 when the Saudi and Emirati-led coalition engaged in the conflict, and and that's mm. when it escalated. So mm. already. You had the other side, which was um, uh, what we call a, a Houthi-armed group who yeah. had uh, overrun the government in Sana'a in the north. Yeah. And then uh, it, because of the, the concerns within the region about instability and yeah. what that takeover meant, mm. then you've got countries like the coalition in Saudi Arabia mm. entering into the conflict. But mm. what we've seen is, is now we're into the fourth year of the war, right. and it's really children and it's the civilians who are on the, on the, the, the brink of uh, and bearing the brunt of what's happened. So mm. some of the stories from our children on the ground are really just it's devastating to hear some of the difficult stories that they uh, that they have to grapple with every day. So um, one uh, one that springs to mind is a a, a family where um, a three month old child, Amira, um, became ill and she suffered from from diarrhea, mm. kept losing weight, severely malnourished, and so her father, who was only eighteen, and his wife are now both unemployed. They mm. lose their jobs because of the conflict and. Yeah. And what that looks like on the everyday is that they used to, you know, used to be able to eat yeah, meat, yeah. fish, vegetables, and now they can't even afford that. Mm. So it's just bread. And then other stories of where if yeah. you've got a child who's malnourished and you need to get it to one of our centers for treatment, mm. Mm. they can't even afford the bus fare. Or yeah, that bus yeah, fare could be used to fill other children in the family. So mm. we, we throw around kind of these huge statistics that are really yeah. hard to comprehend. But on that individual level, it's just so, so difficult. And these yeah. families are now like three and a half years into the conflict, they've got no kind of safety nets or savings. Right. And mm. and I was actually in um, Addis Sababa a, a week before last talking right. with Yemeni civil society, yeah. and they were, were wanting their kind of messages and, and calls for peace to yeah. be amplified in the international community yeah. because yeah. a lot of people don't even know if, you know, what the, in Yemen, a, a country or a, yeah, a yeah, dish. Absolutely. And, like, but, but, and so I think yeah. being able to to promote that message and get people to, to understand what's happening, yes. help build that political sure. pressure yeah. that enough is enough. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. But, but I mean, Amanda, that, that's where I, I wanted to ask the next question in terms of, you know, whether it saved the Hello? children. Yeah, hi, can you still hear us, Amanda? 
Hello? Amanda? All right, it looks like I have lost Amanda for some reason. She, she should be on uh, on the air, right? Just listeners, we are uh, just trying to get in touch with Amanda Bryden again. Uh, hi, Amanda, can, can, you, can you hear me? Right, it looks like we've lost Amanda, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just quickly summarize and then I'm gonna try to bring in uh, Brother Zafar whilst we try to get, reconnect with Amanda from Save the Children because I, I had another question, couple of questions with her. Uh, Brother Zafar, I mean, you know, horrific s a circumstance, horrific situation. I mean, some of the stories she shared with us, as the, the figures I've got in front of me, at least 10,000 people killed in the fighting, more than 22, mil 22 million people, three quarters of the population in desperate need of aid and protection. I mean, it's it's horrific right and then who, who do you turn to right because then you, it's not just the saudis and the uae's but the but the americans are in it and the, the brits are in it and the saudis have just threatened them you okay if you guys do anything then we're you know i've got you know the saudi arabia lobbied hard against the commission of inquiry britain for example vowed not to pro back a proposed un investigation into possible war crimes in yemen after the kingdom threatened to review its trade with nations yeah and i think this sort of that the whole thing is it's a pointless war. Yeah. Uh, so it's actually um, the the war is come to a stage where it's not winnable. Mm. It's a stalemate, effectively. Yeah. The Iranians backing one side and the Saudis basically are the other side. Yeah. Um, and the victims are people caught up in between. Mm. Uh, and there's no doesn't appear to be a strategy apart from each each of them slogging each other basically well, in Yemen keep, just keep bombing and Bo let, bomb, let yeah, the yeah, yeah that's right and there's desperately a need to of some sort of resolution to this at mm. a political level mm. uh, so that both Iran and and Saudis can withdraw uh, you know without losing face effectively right. okay uh, and, and save the children really uh, let me go back to Amanda I think we've got Amanda back on the line uh, hi Amanda are you back with me I am back oh, with fantastic. you. Sorry about I, I, that. I don't know what happened. Some some kind of technical glitch. But but let me ask you a last very quickly last question. And I was just asking that to my co-presenter here in the studio. And that's the kind of uh, almost hopelessness, right? When you when you're talking to you know as an in international institution, uh, you know you know and, and many in international institutions out there. When you when you're trying to go and you know lobby and, and get the, the the case of Yemen. Put in front of the likes of of the Brit of Britain or, or America, when actually Britain and America are equal culprits in in the war against Yemen because they're the ones who are supplying other, you know the arms that are, be, are being used by the Saudis and, and the UAE upon uh, upon the citizens of uh, of Yemen. So just I mean it's it's a, it's a situation of a hard rock and, and uh, what what is this a stone and a hard rock, mm -hmm. right? I mean where do you go? It's. Yeah, you're absolutely right that it's such a fine political line that mm. on the one hand you've got countries like the US and the UK who, who say on the Security Council that they fully support the UN peace process yeah. on the one hand and they provide a vital humanitarian aid, which of course is very welcome. Yeah. But then on the other, they continue to sell weapons to yeah. parties to the conflict that are committing mm. human rights violations. Yeah, and yeah. for us, I mean, what keeps us going every day is yeah. that the messages that we hear from Yemeni children on the ground is yeah. that they still hope for peace. Yeah. And when you take children's voices, they're mm. so powerful in stripping away the politics mm -hmm. that it's not about money, uh, it's not about um, political gain, but mm. that actually it's about the children's future. Yeah. And when we, I think as an international organization, can take these messages to the decision makers mm. and hold them to account for their behaviors yeah. and really um, 
pushed the Security Council, yeah. um, who are the, the union body responsible mm-hmm. for decent security, mm-hmm. to be the catalyst to yeah. bring the parties back to the table and yeah. get a political solution. No, no, and I, show I, them that a military solution is not the way to go. Yeah, um, no. And it seems very abstract, but I think, I mean, at least at the UK level, yeah. any citizen that's able to speak out at the UK government mm. to say that it shouldn't be selling arms and it should be taking a leadership role in peace yeah, yeah, is yeah. really helpful for yeah. making that decision. No, I, I really appreciate your time this evening, Amanda, and I really appreciate those words. I mean, you know, it's very easy to become very pessimistic and, and very negative and say, I mean, well, what's the point? Because, you know what, these are the same people that are in bed with these people. They're all part of the, the same uh, you know, you're perp- they're all the perpetrators part of the same team, but it is th- those innocent children and, and people that are losing their lives, those voices, those stories that you hear that really gives you that resiliency and that, you know, that encouragement to continue raising their voice and be a voice for them and try to get an end to, to this uh, human tragedy that's unfolding in Yemen and has been for the last four years. I really appreciate your time this evening and, and keep up the good work. That's all I would say, Amanda Bryden. Thank you, absolutely, and thanks very much for giving us the time to talk about this. Thank you very much for joining us this evening, uh, Amanda. Uh, Thanks, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, listeners. That was Amanda Bryden from, uh, let me get it right, Save the Children, who was sharing her thoughts and uh, what her organization are doing on the ground in Yemen. They've been there for a long time uh, and what they're doing in terms of for the people of Yemen and to try to put pressure on the different political parties that are obviously all part and parcel of this vicious uh, campaign against uh, Yemen. That, that's the way I would put it. I don't know if I'm, I'm putting it in a, in, a, in a very strong words, but that's what I see when, when I'm reading headlines that this could be the worst famine in 100 years. 70, what was that What was that figure that I just read out? 22, uh, three quarters of the population, more than 22 million people in desperate need of aid and protection. I mean, this is incredible. And 11.3 million are children. I mean, that, that's just absolutely incredible. Uh, and that's a huge humanitarian disaster, you know, that's happening right in front of our eyes, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to uh, another brother uh, and just speak to this brother for a couple of minutes before I want to then discuss the political, you know, going-ons here with Brother Zafar. Brother Zafar is my political commentator this evening with me, inshallah, mm-hmm. on this issue. So I want to I I get Brother Zafar ready. he got a couple of minutes to get ready. But before that, let me go to uh, Brother Lukman, right? And let's speak to Brother Lukman for a couple of minutes. Brother Lukman is from Ether Relief. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, Brother Lukman. Jazakallah uh, Akhi for joining us on Friday Night Live this evening, right? Uh, and we are, of course, discussing Yemen, uh, which yeah. has been labeled as one of the worst uh, or could be the worst famine in a hundred years. We, we, we've already read out the st- statistics to, the, to, the, to our listeners. We've just spoken yeah. to Amanda from Save the Children. Everyone knows it's an absolute dire situation, right? But it's not yeah. getting the media coverage that it ought to deserve. Tell, tell, no, us, uh, tell us about your organization, tell us what you're doing, tell us about uh, you know, what's no, happening uh, on the ground in Yemen, you do, you know, inform our, our, our listenership. No, I, I, at the moment, no, no, I, no, no, I'm not involved in that, uh, that's the thing I need to correct that, I am not from the Eastern Relief, I am oh. one of authors and, uh, and, and a writer. Oh. And in, oh. in fact, brother, in fact, uh, uh, I write regular articles to... Yes, 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 brother, look, man, you see my notes that I've g- g- given, this is why I always confirm it with my my, my, my uh, guests, right? So it would have been good if I would have uh, confirmed it with you. I, I was given, look, man, Ether Relief, but you're not from Ether Relief. Rather, you're the author of the article in Islam 21C where you were actually 
dissecting exactly. uh, yes yes I, i'm i'm with you now so even better yeah. actually even better you know you you yeah. mashallah I, re- I read your article fantastic article you know you share a, you know a brief summary of your article with our listeners so that our listeners you know they become you know informed of what's happening on the ground in yemen yeah exactly now now, now uh, let me take you to uh, uh, you know an uh, article on uh, the independent paper recently yes and that which uh, which will actually highlight the uh, the uh, amount of indifference in the among the international community and of course the UN as well yes. it says the saudi targeting of uh, food supplies in yemen is a worse story than the disappearance of kamal kashugi yes Yes. Now, 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 this is the type of indifference. Now, for example, at the end of it, they say that uh, the lack of intentional protest over the uh, war in Yemen and the involvement of the UN, US, UK as allies of Saudi Arabia and UAE mm. helps explain one of the mysteries of the Khashoggi uh, disappearance. Yes. If the Saudis murdered uh, Khashoggi, why did they expect to carry out the assassination without producing an uh, intentional uproar? Mm. The uh, the explanation probably is that the Saudi leaders imagine that having got away with the worst atrocities in Yemen, Absolutely. that any outcry of the death of a single man in yes. the South Council date was something yes. they could handle. Yes. So, yes. Uh, so, so, so uh, uh, brother, this is the situation now in yes. today's uh, context yes. because you no know, the the the. The minor, relatively minor issues have become, you know, center place in yes. the world headlines. Yes. 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 Compare with this. Now yes. you can. Uh, I don't want to go through the various figures here. No, no, no. But, but, that, that's uh, fine. Uh, let, let me just summarize that, brother Lukman. So what you're saying is that for the last couple of years, these Saudi authorities. You know, and MBS, right, has become boldened, exactly. boldened, right, with almost the green light, not almost, but the green light and the complicity of the US and the UK in the in the vicious campaign in Yemen. And, you yeah. know, pretty much given an open license, do whatever you like. Right. And, and that is exactly what we saw. I mean, I have never heard of a story like this before where someone can go into his own embassy and disappear. Right. Exactly. So, so I mean, but but when we put things into context, I mean, okay, one journalist and a, and the voice of a journalist is is very loud, and he gets his yeah. opinion and his writings across the world. I appreciate that, and it's very important. But here's you know, th- ten thousand people in Yemen have been you know indiscriminately killed, right? And we're talking about seventy five percent of the population needing aid. I mean, this is incredible, and the world's yeah. just silent. Yes, and the uh, another aspect that we need to understand is yes. like uh, Arundhati Roy, one of the you know very uh, foremost writers, right? Yes, and author. How she uh, explained about the the U.S. intervention in Afghanistan? She said that uh, that Afghanistan is uh, you are not actually bombing; you are bombing Afghanistan to store Stone Age. To Stone right? Age, correct? Yes. And, now, even before this crisis, Yemen has been the poorest country in the uh, Middle East and the North, Northern North America as well. Yes. In fact, uh, it, it, it ranks 168 out of the 188 countries mm. according to the UNDP report. Mm. And it's one of the very poorest countries. Mm. So, actually, now, this has actually uh, brought out a triple, triple man-made tragedy. That's a conflict looming famine and also outbreak of cholera and the, uh, diarrhea as well. So outbreak so of cholera and uh, diarrhea, did you, you say? Uh, famine and then plus the, the human tragedy and, and the war that's going on, yes. 
exactly mm. yeah so mm. so that has been a triple man made tragedy to your yes. But, but 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 brother Lukman, okay, right. You know, if I, I could continue discussing the, the role of US and the UK, but I I think our listeners are well aware that you know they have got their hands deep into into all of this and and their own interests, right? I just read a uh, you know a, a quote earlier, which is that you know when they were trying to initiate an, a, a UN initiative to go in and, and, and investigate the human rights abuses all saudi arabia did was it said okay if you if you do this commission of inquiry then we're gonna we're gonna review our contracts right our trade <laughs> contracts and that's it and then they immediately dropped their ideas right and this is exactly the same thing they did with america and that's why trump he said right from the onset he said if you're telling me i'm gonna i'm gonna drop my trade agreement with with the with the with the saudi over this uh, kashugi case well i'm not gonna do that because it's gonna cost us our jobs and that's why a lot of the commenters are saying you know, previously, at least, you know, the other, you know, leaders like Trump, uh, uh, yeah, sorry, Obama, they had a bit of ethics or maybe at least they would play that, right? They would play that card. But here it's very open. Economics exactly. is first. Our interests are first, whether it's a humanitarian disaster or not, or not. Right. So yeah. let me ask you a question in terms of where does the world turn to? Where, where do you go to to try to get political clout, to, to get political pressure? Where do you try to go to to try to rally some kind of support, you know, for the innocent Yemeni people? Who do you turn to? If you can't turn to the United Nations, is impotent. You can't turn to the US. You can't turn to the UK. Where do you go to? Where do the Muslims go to? Now, this is where the, the actually dynamite. Now, ex exactly. Now, now, uh, Muslim. You know, if you take the whole Muslim Ummah in in the in a perspective, mm. we have 51 countries in the Organization for Islamic Cooperation (OIC). Yes. Right. And unfortunately, as we see, saw in the case of this Jerusalem uh, fiasco, mm. you know, you know, making Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Yeah. And that fiasco, we saw how how actually weak we were, how you know helpless we were actually. Yes. Yes. And and our uh, the 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 opinion of that fifty thousand Muslim, which actually has lot of clout and lot yes. of resources within. Now yeah. actually we have we have become very helpless, mm. and uh, and uh, we must also bring in a very religious angle to this. Where Rasulullah has already predicted. You see, there will be a time where the enemies of Islam mm. will actually. Uh, uh, to take you like uh, wolves, you know, eating right. a... Yeah, <laughs> Bro Brother Lukman, we are, unfortunately, we've run out of time. We've run out of time, but okay. I really appreciate your, your comments and I appreciate your, your, your time this evening. Uh, Jazakallah, yeah. maybe in the future we can definitely bring you back on and we can discuss some of these subject matters uh, in more yeah. detail with you. Jazakallah, you, uh, Brother, brother Lukman. Okay. All right. So that was Brother Lukman. I would have loved to speak to him a bit more, but unfortunately, we are now going to go into a commercial break. When we come back, inshallah, I'll get Brother Zafar's thoughts on Yemen and what Brother Lukman was raising there. Uh, folks, you are tuned in with me, uh, Hafiz Shaban, on Friday Night Live, uh, and uh, with Brother Zafar also with me here in the studio. And we're, mashallah, we're approaching the last half an hour of the show. And in the last half an hour of the show, we're going to be discussing a bit more about Saudi, but in particular, we're going to be discussing the Jamal Khashoggi. A case uh, with Moazan Beg and Brother Zafar. Don't go away. Join us in a couple of minutes when we're back, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. No father can give his children a better gift than good manners. Reported by Tirmidhi.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban, and Brother Zafar here in the studios in Luton. Uh, 19th of October, and subhanAllah, it's already 7 30, which means the last 25 or 26 minutes of this evening. And subhanAllah, how fast has that gone? Right, so the last story that we were discussing was Yemen, and I'm going to go straight to Brother Zafar to get his thoughts on Yemen, inshallah. But just a reminder, you know, it's always good to listen to you or hear from you our our listeners 01582 01582481822 get your thoughts get your views to us and you can always uh, sms whatsapp your thoughts inshallah on 0777 What's what's Saudi up to here? Well, it's just not Saudi. It's Iran as well. I think, as I mentioned uh, right. before the uh, before the uh, the break. Right. Uh, so I think Yemeni society is divided as well. Mm. I think traditionally it used to be, if you remember, going back 20, 25, 30 years ago, mm. it used to be north and south Yemen. Yeah. Right. One yeah. one was correct Soviet facing, and then yeah, the other communist, yeah. communist, and the other one was kind of westward facing. Yes. And the other division within within that society is the right. the Houthi. Uh, Shia uh, community versus the Sunnis, yes. which is what's been played at the moment, yes. uh, which is not ne- which is ne- not necessarily has been the split before previously, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it has. This it's is what. The sh- isn't but it? this is this yes. is the shape that it's taken basically. Yes. So you got the Houthis, which are supported by Iran, yes. uh, and and the other community, the Sunni community, I guess, which yes. is supported by the Saudis, yes. the Saudi coalition. So it's not just right. the Saudis; it's yeah. it's the Egyptians and the UAE uh, who, are op- who are actually sort of involved in an open war. Yeah. The Iranian war is not an open one. There's no Iranian boots on the ground. Mm. Iran isn't sort of um, so bombing, bombing. Covert, covert. Yeah, it's, uh, it's more covert. It's more su- supporting yeah, yeah. the rebels, yeah. supplying arms, etc. Yes, yes. uh, and I think that the what, what you know what what that's led to really yeah. is an embargo, yeah. right, uh, uh, on on the the country itself. Yeah, there's yeah. there's uh, blockade of of the ports, etc. So yeah. there's food not getting through. But I, I mean, look at look at look at the results on the ground. I mean, is, is, we're talking about the fourth year in the war. We're talking about it, the world's worst humanitarian crisis. I mean, does this not ring a bell in the ears of of this monarchy? This, you know, I'm gonna say crazy monarchy. I mean, well, what on earth is happening? I mean, look what you're actually doing. It's 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 not just the political game, but look at the humanitarian. Yeah, cost. but I, I think does, I, I, this, doesn't this not ring register in, in their consciousness? Well, it's not. It's, 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 it's consciousness. Well, no. I, the thing is, at the end of the day, it's, it's not. It's about self-preservation as well. The Saudi self-preservation. Uh, s- I mean, it is about the the leadership and about the country as well, because mm-hmm. there was a, there was a civil war happening mm-hmm. on their doorstep. Yeah, uh, there was sort of the Al Qaeda. I, 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 I get Al-Qaid. it. In, in the Gulf is Iran versus Saudi for the for the, for the, the political Al- positioning, no, so, right? So, so basically, there was, mm-hmm. was Al Qaeda and there was the uh, the, the Houthi and there was a civil war in the country, and so mm-hmm. actually to try and stabilize it, trying mm-hmm. to bring a government right, which which didn't sort of. Uh, was more stable and 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 prevented the spillover of the civil uh, civil war right. uh, into Saudi, and that yeah. that's what they've gone for. Oh, but yeah. I think I don't think they've thought it through uh, quite well, and right. they haven't thought through the end game. How are they going to get right. out, and how they're going to st- end end right. the whole thing? So uh, we've we've got a martial. Art. I mean, I'm I'm going to call him an expert. He he might disagree in terms of being an expert, <clears throat> but I, I've got a brother a, a brother that I respect greatly. Mashallah, on 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 the phone we've got brother Muazzam Beg. Assalamualaikum warahmatullah. 
وعليكم السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته او يا اخي Alhamdulillah, I'm fine. Alhamdulillah. Okay, so well, welcome to Friday Night Live, uh, Brother Muazzam. Okay, uh, so my, you know, my yeah, Alhamdulillah, always great to have you with us. So we 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 did, we did invite you to discuss the, obviously the Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi uh, disappearance case, right? Uh, of course, yes. intrinsically linked to Saudi, and we're currently discussing Yemen, right? Uh, which is mm. you know been tabled as labeled as the worst famine in a hundred years, man-made crisis, right? Uh, and obviously the Saudis, uh, you know, at the forefront again. Right, uh, last two three years, what's going on in in Saudi? Uh, they've just suddenly been emboldened and you know given an open license to go and do, and do whatever they like with 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 the, with the backing of of the US and the UK almost. Yeah, I mean, if you remember, if you remember that um, Saudi's particular um, problem happened when the Arab Spring rose, and yeah. there was a fear that, that something similar might happen in in the in the kingdom. Uh, they tried to raise people's wages and perhaps almost tried to buy them out yes. um, uh, so that they wouldn't kind of repeat uh, what would happen across the North Africa and the Middle yeah. East. Um, so there was definitely this, you know, Thawr al-Arabi, the, the Arabic uh, revolution that was yes. taking place. They were definitely afraid of that. Yes. Uh, the Saudi regime, of course, started to then slowly support um, those movements that primarily stemmed from the United Arab Emirates that were anti-revolution, anti-change, yes. um, and anti-rebels. Uh, and so the Saudi it, it movement, you know, on the one hand, remember, subhanAllah, this is something yes. really important. Yes. He spoke about his northern frontier, which was Sham and Syria, and the southern frontier, which was Yemen. Yes. And both uh, in these conflicts today yes. have had um, influences, as you were talking about, from the Iranians. And the, yes. so Saudi, on the one hand, was, you know, tried to stop what was happening uh, through Yemen with the influence of the Houthis. And in the north, um, initially, I think they gave some support to the rebels, but when they uh, uh, realized that some other Islamic movements exist there and they may be a challenge to Saudi, they started to mm. um, support and become part of the coalition against um, or the U.S.-led coalition, and mm. so now they're they're in a very they're in a very squeezed position between these two places. Mm. And so what they started to do is to uh, clamp down on the ulama, clamp down yes. on any sort of um, dissident uh, dissident movements and individuals. Yes. And at the same time, uh, Mohammed bin uh, Salman was touted in the West as a reformer. Yes. A character who's going to come along and change everything, Western and everything, <clears throat> give women their rights, yeah. um, <clears throat> open up cinemas, open up Saudi Arabia to a new vision and so forth. Right. And he was touted in the West like this. Yeah, just, 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 on that, just on that point, Brother Muazzam, right? So, I mean, th yeah, that, sure. that was going to be my point. I mean, yes, I, 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 I completely agree with your reading of events, right? post Arab Spring, right? So here, here they're trying to buy out the, this, the, this, the other group who are not the, quite the, uh, you can say, the dissidents and, and the open uh, crit critiques of, of, of the government and, and, and playing well within the, within the remits given to them, right? But even when you look to the likes of the case of Jamal Khashoggi, for example, the, 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 he wasn't really an open critic of the system of, of the system and the monarchy. In fact, for, for a long time, he was part and parcel of, the, of, of that, right? So, I mean, it, it seems that the threshold of what is acceptable and not acceptable by at least MBS and, and the current regime is completely been watered down completely. Completely uh, yeah, you're an oxymoron right. to you know the label that's been given to him as, as a reformer, as you're saying, as the way he was projected and all the huge marketing campaigns that were happening in in the West, in in the US and the UK to to build him up as as, as such. So yeah, so people get a background of you know, uh, Jamal Khashoggi is is 
somebody who used to was an editor in chief of the uh, Arab News. Was, uh, he wrote for was editor for Al Watan, which is a Saudi Arabian um, a newspaper. Yeah. They regarded as kind of progressive or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, he was he was a guy who's really well connected. He was well connected in in his yeah. country okay. and well connected in the United States, connected yeah. to all the major television channels, yeah. worked for the Washington Post, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So he wasn't somebody who's seen typically as anti. Wasn't seen as a dissident yes. at all. Right. In fact, he was. He was even supported in the beginning of the war in Yemen. Yes, uh, it's only yes, later, when yes. Mohammed bin Salman came along, yeah. that he started to um, criticize his arrest of people. I mean, mm. it wasn't just of ulama he was talking about. He was talking yeah. about even criticizing the arrest of women rights activists and, yes. uh, and people like that. Yes. Um, so his criticism, and they say that his, his, his exile was self-imposed. He wasn't forced yes, out yes, of the country. Correct, correct, he, yeah. he, he, he left of his own religion. Mm. Mm. So... Um, so that for them to view him in this way mm. um, was part of the, you know, the language. If you hear some of the, the, the people who talk about Khashoggi now say that he was an enabler of the Muslim Brotherhood and the Muslim Brotherhood is a terrorist organization. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. nobody says that except for Egypt, the Egyptian government, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the UAE and Saudi Arabia. Nobody says that brother Muslim, right? So is this is this paranoia? Right on behalf of MBS, that just to go out and shut all all noises against him and and what he perceives to be against him, uh, you know, on the back end of a, a, a green light that he's got from from his Western backers. Um, you know, I've heard somebody actually say that that he that this couldn't have happened with some kind of green light from Donald Trump. Mm. Um, I've actually heard somebody say that there's a little bit more to it. Now, I don't know, I, I don't know the, the the internal ramblings of all of this, but there's mm. certainly discussion, and this is a discussion happening amongst the Arabs that I was speaking to today, mm. and they say that there was some kind of a communication. Uh, hidden, latent, um, tacit approval, or whatever you want to call it, mm. uh, for him to do something like this because he's a prominent Saudi. He's, a pro he's Saudi, of course, but he's a resident of the United States of America. He's almost seen as a United, as a U.S. Uh, citizen in that mm. sense. He's working for uh, uh, very closely linked to to the American yeah. uh, media industry. So yeah. for them to take him out in this way has sent shockwaves around the world. And absolutely. I think they're deeply miscalculated yeah. about what's coming next. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to bring in Brother Zafar into, into, into this discussion too, right? Uh, absolutely, shockwaves, okay? So, uh, uh, I mean, my next question was, has it backfired on them, right? Okay, I mean, they, they've obviously got their vision 2030, right? They've got this, uh, you know, this Davos in, in, in the desert that's been pitched for the end of this month where a lot of these, you know, uh, you know, CEOs and, and, and the likes have, have pulled out even though the ministers were going to continue but apparently now they've also pulled out so that's yeah. backfired they, they, and it's looking really bad for them right so 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 how are you reading uh, the events as as they're unfolding even though that we haven't still got the details they still haven't come out so there's the people you know there's people like richard branson i read recently he's pulled out of a big virgin deal in saudi arabia there are other people of course who are now facing that pressure about mm. uh, uh, having some kind of a a boycott of, of industry and mm. uh, business with Saudi Arabia, mm. it's natural to accept, it's natural for that to happen. Mm. That, that's going to happen continually. And, and, and uh, despite, I mean, clearly you can see Donald Trump's statements uh, about this has been, um, he probably didn't know what was going on and we can't rush, jump to conclusion. Where is the evidence? Mm. Uh, if this evidence exists, he said all of these sorts of things. I mean, you can imagine he would never say this of, 
of other people. Saudi Arabia's relationship with the West, with America, yes. and Britain is very close, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I think uh, that can't be overstated. Mm. Um, the feeling on the ground that I get, you know, from ordinary people, ordinary Muslims and, mm. and beyond, is that a Saudi Arabia, when it comes to this, is a rogue state, mm. and is a con- and, and MBS in particular mm. is is the king of that rogue state or, yeah. or the who controls that rogue state, the crown prince. Yeah, and it's about time that they're reined in. Um, and I think that there's this, you know. Muslims, I made a post recently saying that Muslims shouldn't fear losing their visa for Hajj or Umrah um, if they speak out against the Saudi regime. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they don't allow you to go to the, to the, to the holy places, yeah, yeah. that's their problem. They have to face a life. It's not yeah, your problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think people have felt this for a very, very long time. And, and mm. you know, from the Muslim ulama, Muslim pe- normal people, they just don't want to criticize Saudi because they think if you criticize but, but, Saudi, but you, you know, you know my, cr- um, my question now is going to be, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring Brother Zafar into it too. Is you know, you know, maybe this the disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi and an inevitable, you know, assassination of Jamal, right? That uh, until the, you know that that's what the world knows until they finally confirm it, right? In terms of officially the Saudis and they're obviously preparing and they've been preparing for the official narrative for for a while now, right? But you know, even the ordinary, you know, uh, scholars who have backed the government. They're going to find it very difficult to try to justify this, right? Very. I mean, they're, they're obviously going to try to pin it towards a, a rogue, you know, prince or an emir, you know, and, and, you know, interrogation gone wrong, right? But, I mean, come on, man, this is, it looks so bad, right? So bad. And then you've got Yemen on top of that, right? It looks so bad that, you know, you know they, they're going to lose any credibility, even in the eyes of the, of, of the world and the Muslim community as, as a whole. I mean, how do you, how do you read it, Brother Zafar? Right, to be honest, I think when the story uh, broke, um, yeah. I was just, just wondering why yeah. and, and the extent of the world reaction, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one of the, the, the commentators earlier on mentioned the fact that, you know, you've got thousands, tens of thousands of people, uh, people dying at the Saudi hands in yeah. Yemen. Yeah. And yet this is one person. So mm. what's the big deal? Yes. That was what's gone yeah, through yeah. my mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the reaction of America is quite interesting. I think Donald Trump initially mm. right, came in very strong. Yes. Initially, he yeah. said, people are going to be punished. Someone is going to get punished for mm. this, right? Mm. And it felt almost like a female dog slap on on, on Saudi Arabia. Right. And after that, since then, he's been backtracking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other interesting thing that's happened but, really. but he uses that for his no, own no, political but, clout. He, I know, he but, says but, that then he's got a better position to negotiate and, and make the Saudis pay more well, well buy more the, the other thing the other interesting yeah. thing I noticed was yeah. uh, you know Iraq uh, sorry Turkey has been giving out lots of information mm. trying to build a case yeah, basically yeah, yeah. here's the evidence etc 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 but in the background yeah. you know this pastor right that was the Americans and the, the Turks were right, at right. odds yes, with yes. all of a sudden right, he gets released yeah. right, and America and Turkey become right. good friends and they're right. thanking yeah. you know um, you know uh, what's his name the, the, the yeah. president of Turkey that yeah. he's, he's been thanked publicly by America to say right, right. he was a good it was mm. it was his efforts that uh, released mm. the guy mm. and his pastor right mm. quote unquote pastor mm. uh, was in well it was convicted of, of you know trying to overthrow the government in, mm. in Turkey right, right. and he was and there was circulate yes. uh, you know details circulated through WhatsApp S- so that he was involved with the the Kurds right in right. Syria etc but anyway, so that's in that's in that's in the background, yeah, yeah, right? And on. I was thinking, yeah. what's in it for Turkey? Why is Turkey going out? Yeah. But if you think at the if you yeah. think of the implications yeah, of this, yeah, yeah. right? You know, if a murder is proven yeah. uh, and it's proven that a head of a state has yes. actually murdered somebody yeah, yeah. in another state, yes. effectively, yes. Uh, and the International Criminal Court, etc., etc., etc. 
Yeah. This is potentially abdication journey, isn't it? Right. Leading to an abdication of of, uh, of, a, of a king. Yeah. And today, I think the Middle East Monitor, one of the dissident princes has actually called for um, the king to abdicate, basically step right. aside and allow right. his, his brother to take over. Uh, so there's a lot at stake here, right? right? And you see where this is going at, don't that, you? That, so? That's interesting, but that's unless... Right, unless you've got powerful friends that are ready to help you. Well, the, the right? thing, is, the thing is, the I powerful friends. If yeah. you think, think the powerful friends, the the Brits are pulling out. Right, they're not sending well, their. Well, uh, are they really pulling uh, out? And, I mean, and, I mean, Trump made it very clear that you know, if you're going to tell me that uh, stop selling arms to to US and, and the billion plus contract that he signed, well, I simply I'm not doing that. But it but means jobs. Steve Mnookin has is stopped. Uh, is not going to the the Sa event. Saudi uh, as a market is just too big. More isn't big. Let, let, let me get your views. Right. Okay. So you got. Saudi at Yemen, okay, for the last three years, uh, you, and, and you know, uh, apart from the humanitarian disaster, which obviously they've got no, uh, you know, shame for and no conscious of, right? Mil you know, economically is draining them. Then you got the oil prices, uh, you know, plummeting, right? And then you've got, you know, uh, you know, now they're, they're desperate to, you know, bring in investment because they realise that they're not in a very strong economic position. On top of that. There's all this politicking going on at the moment, right? Whether Trump and uh, this this kind of rhetoric is just to, you know, get, put Saudis in a corner and leverage more contracts out of them, or whether it's genuinely, you know, criticisms. But then you got the PR now that's going around the world, which is very anti-Saudi and what they've done with this disappearance. What is that? How are you reading all those events coming together? Um, you know, that's all deeply complicated. I don't know if I know the answers to all of those questions. What simply I, I do know, you know, yeah. the oil, um, medicine and arms are the biggest um, industries in the world. And yeah. two of these in particular mm. uh, are being dealt with across, you know, across the, the, the sea through, through um, mm. America and Saudi with arms and oil trading uh, going on. I don't think that's going to ever stop. Um, uh, I, I recently came across this uh, fatwa um, issued by the uh, Ulama Council in Saudi Arabia. They haven't uh, published their names uh, for fear of being tortured yes, or, or, or yes. imprisoned. But what they said essentially is that they want this person to be removed. They're calling for him to be removed. And I think, you know, maybe he will be the sacrificial lamb. I think... You know, M MBS? Or, yeah, MBS. Hmm. I, I, you know, we have to bear in mind that this is... But is he, is he, is he, has he not become too big of a name to really be the sacrificial lamb, do you think? Exa exactly. Well, I, I think one of the issues here is that they've invested so much exactly, into yeah. him as being the future of yeah. Saudi Arabia, that this yeah. young man is the reformer, he's the changer, yeah. he's the face that we're... Yes. And he'll, eventually, I think, unless something something major happens, like a video of him or, or some evidence that yeah. he is directly linked, and I yes. think that evidence is partially strong that in that some of the bodyguards yeah all, all bodyguards the men around him were, yeah 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 um but he could he can always claim uh, claim that he didn't know what was going on it was yeah. a different conspiracy yeah. and right it's in the end money will talk um but forever be fair, and there's no doubt in my mind um, big problem isn't just some uh, the biggest problem is ruling Right, Mozambique, we're, 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 we're losing you. We're losing you. I, I don't know where you are at the right. moment, but if you, if you come closer to your handset, hopefully. Uh, I'm as close as possible. If I get any closer, I'll be eating it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, it's a lot, a lot better. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Okay. And I'm saying that uh, so the whole, it isn't just MBS. MBS yeah, is yeah. a product of Saudi, of Saudi Arabia and, yes. and uh, the Saudi ruling family. Yeah. Every now and then you get somebody who's less evil than, yeah. than somebody else. But really, yeah, yeah, if you look exactly. at their policy, you know, let's not forget, Saudi Arabia is a place where American military bases and compounds are, are built. 
yes. permanently and held on on uh, on Saudi soil. Absolutely. That's what led Trump to say that this regime it, it would be it would disappear without my support. Just recently, well, in well I, I, I think to yeah. be honest, I think that that statement and uh, this this uh, America playing a leading role yeah. uh, now, yeah. not initially now uh, in this. I think it's it's a message to MBS to say, right, you started off on the right tracks, you yeah. made the right noises, yeah. you made the good changes, yeah. and then there was a bit of shooting at the, at the palace and, and you got scared. Mm. You've gone quiet. Mm. Now I want you to come out and start saying something again, or we're going to allow this process to continue and mm. see where that leads you. So I think in, in some uh, respects, I think there is an attempt to try and benefit from this particular yeah. uh, event. Right. Oh, 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 so sorry, Muslim. I, I did interject to you, right? But I've got one question for you. Also, you, I'll, I'll let you finish off your if you if you've got still a, a comment to make because we're running out of time. What does this mean, right? The disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi. What does this mean for criticism, open criticism of Saudi, right? Uh, what What's the message that's gone out there to the world? You know, what's the message to you know the Muslims around the world, right? All of us. We don't have to be Saudi citizens. We have an affinity. We have a deep bond to to the land of the Hijaz because of the Haramain, right? So, yeah. what's our duty, right? Just to stay quiet and just accept, you know, this this tyranny that's going on, yeah. or so, so, you know, that, give give some thoughts that, on that, bro. That's a very 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 important question because there are two tiers in the Muslim uh, Muslim world that I've come right. across. One is that keep your head down because mm. Hajj and Umrah is much more important than you saying anything. After all, you saying something can't affect any change at all anyway. Mm. So let poli leave politics. Uh, to the politicians and yeah. you carry on right. separate your religion from politics mm. and then you'll be fine that that's essentially what uh, uh, a lot of the passive muslims will say and yeah. muslims who simply don't want to risk what right. they believe is a greater far greater yeah. um, pillar of islam which is hajj compared to speaking to the truth against an oppressive ruler i thought it was speaking the truth in front of the tyrant ruler a tyrant well that's what they say you see All right. so now the other issue is and i think the two are not mutually exclusive yeah. i say speak the truth against yeah. the tyrant ruler yeah. if they don't allow you your visa for hajj alhamdulillah it doesn't make any difference because yeah. that, you know that's the this is the only pillar of islam by the way that we have in our deen that is governed by a state yeah. every other pillar you can perform and you can carry out etc yes. but here it's governed by a state and not just a muslim state it could be a state that it's entirely sold its soul over mm. to the united states of america mm. uh, and the enemies of islam and this mm. is shocking considering uh, you know what would we do if it, i pray it never happens but if imagine a non-muslim country came along uh, yeah. israel for example yeah. occupied the arabian peninsula yeah. and would we still be making hajj or yeah. would we say we'd be saying it's time to uh, uh, get the occupier yeah, 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 out yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so this is how we need to regard it in my yeah. view and yeah. i think that that view is is rising now amongst, especially amongst the youth who are, are, are sick to death of seeing this right. the other message it sends is that um these journalists uh, uh, you know the, the killing of jamal koshokti was like a mafia style hit yes, it, yes. It, um, maybe a bit botched up yes. but it's it seems like that this behavior is, is like a mafia style yeah and um you know, sadly, mm. the West is taking the lead on this issue. The, mm. the most people who are critical of this is the West. It's not the Muslims. Yeah. Um, so we, that's because we're not really offering any any solution. What are we saying should happen? Mm. And I think that's where there's also a problem that we. Right. So, mm. 
I think, uh, the, the, I think that's what, yeah. Just to sort of balance the argument, I think it needs to be said that yeah. although everyone wants to see a good story emerge from, from the ashes of dictatorship, we've seen so often, right, that these things don't always turn out to have a good story. We've seen yeah. that in Syria. We've yeah. seen that in, in uh, uh, you know, t t Tunisia and places right. like that. So, uh, you know, it, it's easy to say revolution, let's go out there and, and bring change, but yeah. you never know where you're going to end up. Oh. You never know where you're going to end up, All basically. Right. On that, on that note, gents, it's been lovely talking to you. Firstly, let me thank Muazzam, brother Muazzam Beg, uh, for, for joining us on Friday Night Live uh, with me, Hafi Shaban, uh, brother Muazzam Beg, Jazakallah Khair, and uh, Inshallah, we would like to have you more, more regularly on, on, on our show, Inshallah. Inshallah. Okay, so that was uh, listeners uh, Muazzam Beg, uh, an expert on, uh, on, on these uh, affairs, Mashallah, giving his view and his perspective. Uh, that's great, uh, brother Zafar. Jazakallah this evening for for joining me in the in the hot seat. Mashallah. Thank you very much, Jazakallah. It's, it's always good to bounce ideas with you, Mashallah. And uh, you know, you get uh, I'm, the, I'm the I'm the cushion, basically. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, the political commentating. You know, it's, it's good to, to, to actually thrash out these ideas, and and it's good for our community to be become a lot more politically aware, right? And, and, and get that background. But, but Jazakallah for joining us this evening. And Subhanallah, you know, we've almost run out of time and the two hours are over. All right. So uh, Jazakallah to our listeners also for tuning in as always uh, to, the, to the show. I think it'll be great to have more uh, listenership, I think, uh, contribution and uh, participation in the, in the show. Maybe, sure. maybe, maybe we should run some kind of a competition, right, you know, for, for the one who calls and who, who makes, you know, X amount of comments, whatever, I don't well, know. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately I, I don't know what it is, but unfortunately, I think our listeners, a lot of our listeners are passive listeners. Right. They prefer to just yeah. listen. But I, I always say, when, when, I, when I go out there and I'm mingling with the community, they always say, mashallah, good show. I, I say, know, I and they talk about... And I say, well, and, and they, they in? And they come in and tell you, oh, why? Uh, what you said was yeah. really, you know, I didn't, didn't agree with that so it was wrong well, well, yes indeed oh, call in and oh, tell us come on guys but anyway that's it we're coming towards the end uh jazakallah brother zafar inshallah until uh inshallah until next week inshallah we're going to be signing out now uh from friday night live and uh, you know do share your thoughts do share your uh, you know criticism your feedback with us and if you've got a suggestion for a topic you know we're always looking for you know good topics to discuss on our shows on a weekly basis send them in to us and may you never know we may be discussing it next week until next week assalamualaikum Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.